person, right? To do yeah. the printing is that the, all mine were like a single pass. I would have liked to have been able to say, Hey, can you do like a, a double pass or do a white layer and then something over top, but they never no. gave you that option. No, I think you have to do like, so for this one, I can't print it on any dark stuff cause it just won't look good. So I'm going to have to create the white background. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then it'll just be part of the design. Smart. Um, but then I'm like, but do I still do that for the light colored ones also? Because <laughs> on the light colored ones, it kind of looks nice if the t-shirt's coming through. It keeps so I so again, I don't know. I got a bunch of designs though. Like I'm I'm hoping that when I put the store on the website, I'll have, you know, at least a half a dozen designs. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll throw up my old designs too. It'll just be up on there, and that way people can just I don't, see what I don't, sells. Yeah, and I'm not gonna mark it up like much because i don't care i'd rather people wearing my shirt i give them away half the fucking time oh i know it's brutal right it'd be, it'd be nice to break even rather than just 100 percent. and and this way i'm like you know what i'm not doing anything yeah. so it's like as as long as i set it to a little bit of a profit like there'll always be something right so yeah. and then i told the guys i'm like you guys can put shirts up on there too if anybody buys a shirt that's your design like you can have the percentage of the the earnings like i don't care like yeah, the shop totally. the shop doesn't make i've always said this the shop most tattoo shops never make anything off of anything but tattooing so right yeah. i don't care they, but yeah. if we have you know a big a good store we'll have a bunch of we'll do a little bit of prints off uh to have at the convention and then just have a qr code for people who want to order and shit. yeah so, yeah cool yeah, how's your week going? Good. I just got some stickers from Sticker Mule. First time I ever used them. That's the only person I used to use for years. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah they're awesome. Super, super easy to deal with too. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. My I use I use Sticker Mule for a long time, and then I used that Sticker Robot. Yeah. Just because they had like the different cool papers you could get so I had like some foil ones and stuff, and then my last run of this design that I have on the shirt dan printed me a bunch and and they're great it just comes down to somebody got a sale because <laughs> again if i'm paying like over a dollar a sticker i'm not selling them yeah so for me to you know if i'm going to print like 500 stickers that's that's 500 it's like i want to be able to give them away so i want totally. them as i want them as cheap as possible but i also exactly. don't want them i don't want them to be like computer printed on paper that's gonna like rub off on you know what i mean like i want to be able to put it on my toolbox and and clean them yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah. yeah i remember yeah. i worked at hogtown years ago and pete weldrake the owner was a snowboard skate shop he was so punk rock he'd have these rolls of paper stickers I'd be like, why, don't, why don't you get better ones good ones and he was like these are asshole stickers and i was like what do you mean he goes you can't fucking peel them off once they're on they're on there forever <laughs> he was such a fucking hard-ass punk rocker yeah. he was just like i don't give a fuck i just want to fuck with people <laughs> <laughs> the design will come off but the sticker just stays <laughs> it's so, it's so yeah. he used to give us like the rolls of them on the weekends and be like just fuck you going downtown here just fucking cover cover downtown awesome yeah. <laughs> how's the uh how's the setting up in the prep going for the dragon art show because this will come out this will come out right before it so yeah 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 uh fucking ton of shit's showing up the gallery they're starting to hang stuff already cool uh, i'm a little worried we have too much art not enough space 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so if anyone who didn't get invited and wondering why, like I, I, I have some friends of mine I didn't even invite. So yeah, don't, don't sweat it. We're, next time we do a show, we'll try to find a bigger venue and then be a little bit more inclusive or do smaller format. <laughs> like James, do something simple and small, right? Like, yeah, yeah, simple cubes. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Like simple to, to like present to a public. Present, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, I just saw Steve's. Yeah, I fucking slipped my wrists. I was like, oh, I just accidentally spilled ink all over my painting. Bummer. <laughs> oh fuck. That's t- huh. I'm doing another one. I'm doing another one. So I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it'll be in the show. I was hoping to put it in the window so when you came to the show there'd be at least something big in the window you could see. Yeah. But they got bars on their windows and they're fucking like little, little small slits. There's no way I can get a painting in there. So I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'll oh, spray, yeah. spray it with like varnish and then tape it to the window or something. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Vancouver. At least they have windows. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, right? nice there's lots, lots of businesses out there don't even have fucking windows anymore. Yeah, I don't know how they fucking um, do it. What was that print? Co- I forget the print company. We used to use them a long time ago, but they don't even have, they just, their windows got broken so many times that they're just like, fuck it. And just covered them in wood and then spray painted the wood. It's oh, like wild. Yeah. In Vancouver. Or Edmonton? Yeah. In Vancouver. Oh, uh, yeah, is yeah. it uh, the fucking rave flyer place? Uh... No, no, no. It was a t-shirt place that we used to use a long time ago. They've oh, been around okay. forever. Uh, starts with a B. I, I forget. Anyways, that was the thing when I was living there in 21 22 is like like glass breaks were up like 1500 percent. i'm like what it's like watching videos online and like dudes just walking down davy street just breaking like restaurant windows for no reason whatsoever it's just like what the fuck is happening man so yeah uh, unhappy people out there yeah <laughs> i never walked around breaking fucking windows <laughs> no me neither no might have tried to kick a few mirrors off a few cars, but then they started having yeah. those two-way mirrors. <laughs> Can't kick those off. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, that's good, man. I'm I'm bummed I'm not going to make it to the show, but I just got this. Oh, fuck. It's, it's going to be so hectic and busy. This Sunday we have figured out. Uh, that's I don't know if I told you. We're going to do – because Clint had to cancel his uh, – Yeah seminar he's got so much shit going on well yeah he's uh, got to pack up his whole fucking shop exactly it wouldn't have worked out anyway for him yeah. so we're going to do um a drawing day so a collaborative drawing day just have tables and chairs out draw and do like some exercises but focus on dragons and then do some like swapping drawings and stuff and get stuff moving yeah. in a chain and i just have a social just a good time you know cool yeah, yeah. that'll be fun yeah yeah Hopefully, uh, Rob Hope will break his. Did you see those? Did you look really close? That dude, I was like zooming in on those paintings. Like I should have known it was Rob, but I still had to ask. I was just like, "What?" For those listening, Rob Hope uh, decided to do watercolor, and he's never done a watercolor painting before. So he spent fifty hours just doing studies of every part of dragon anatomy and everything and, and what fish, he would do for a painting water. of fish. 
and rocks. And like, like how light comes through water and how it hits and reflects off fish just to see if he could make it work 50 hours. And at this point he was telling me, he's just going to show classes. up with a charcoal. <laughs> and he took a class. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. 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 His wife, Antia signed him up for a class, the two of them. That's um, awesome. But he was like, just like, I can't fucking get it. Like it just doesn't, you can't duplicate anything. Like you do something, you figure it out and then you try to do it again. And then it's fucking, everything's different. And it's like, that's watercolor. Yeah. So he said, I'll show up with a charcoal drawing at the very least. (laughs) (laughs) But those, those studies he did were better than anything I'll ever be able to paint my entire life. Yeah. Just put those in. (laughs) Totally. Exactly. I was like, can I collect those? Can you, can I have them like for my collection just to like, yeah. Yeah. Put those in a portfolio and just present them as a portfolio study. Yeah. When you, but. someone like him, like that's when you realize he's an artist. He studies yeah. every little aspect of it, tries to figure it out. And me, I'll just like draw the outline of a scale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> draw the outline of a scale. Where should the light source come from? Hmm. Nowhere. No light source. <laughs> Perfect. Here. Here. It'll all come from here. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> Omnipresent light. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, where'd your light source come from? Above my head in my drawing room while I was painting and there was no shadows or anything. So it's just all lit. Frozen. Oh, there you are. Yeah, you froze. Hey, you, you froze, froze too. too. Uh, all right. Um, Stacy Ray is uh, ready. We have Stacy Ray today. Um, all right. So we're going to talk to her because we got, she's got lots, we got to have lots to talk about with her. She's done a lot of things. And uh, like usual, this is brought to you by Hold Fast Stay Gold Social Club. <laughs> Hold Fast Social Club. The other one, Hold Fast Stay Gold. Hey, if you haven't actually seen the Hold Fast Stay Gold yeah, documentary, you should go and see that thing. Uh, I want to rewatch that, actually. Um, yeah, no, Hold Fast Social Club. Join up, sign up. Dave's always got new shit coming up on there. And then, of course, Good Guys Supply, always bringing you the goods. All right, we'll yeah. see you in a minute. Welcome to Kinda A Big Deal, a weekly podcast deep diving into the lives of emerging and established tattoo artists. Listen in as we dig into origin stories, industry hot topics, and what it takes to survive in the world of tattooing. This is Tattoo Shop Talk. Join your hosts, Sean Headley and Dave Allen, every week as we host a new guest. It's no secret Dave and I have a good guy connection, but we have a great relationship with many respected suppliers. Working with Lucas Ford at Classic Tattoo, I saw firsthand the blood, sweat, and stress he went through building Good Guy. Creating products for your peers is no easy task. With many to critique any small missteps, including myself, tattooer owned and family operated since day one. With Lucas, Rob, and Natalie at the helm, you know exactly what you are getting. High quality products, fair prices, and excellent customer service. Shop, support, good guy. The Hold Fast Social Club keeps expanding and adding features to make the life of tattooers easier. We just launched a classified section for pros only. Sell your tattoo gear, prints, whatever in one spot. This is on top of a platform with peer-to-peer vouching, direct connect, a wait list, and geo-searching. Now you can find guest spots or forever homes at studios everywhere. 
No guessing, no awkward conversations. See what shops or artists have to offer. Mark them as favorites or add yourself to their waitlist to let them know you are interested. Old Fast Social Club keeps adding features to make connecting easy. Pros only, a place where the best of us can elevate each other. One of my little skins, I'm like, oh, this might come up. Maybe I should grab one. And I came back and I was all alone. <laughs> <laughs> you missed it. Yeah, yeah. You, I saw that you joined the room, but like you didn't have like a camera or anything on. So I was like, what the hell's going on? And Dave and I kept freezing also. So I was like, you know what? Let's just restart this and do a new room. So awesome. Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. I'm really happy to see you guys. Yeah. Happy awesome. to see you guys are doing this. I just had a meeting with my old Canadian business partner this morning because uh, I'm absolving her out of the skins company. And uh, <clears throat> so I told her that I was going to, I was like, well, I got to be ready for these guys. So we only got this much time. <laughs> nice. She's been listening to you guys a lot. She said it's super inspiring. She's like, I love those guys. They really got oh, cool. a little cool thing you guys are doing for Canadian artists. Cool. Awesome. Try it. Yes. Our yeah. guests are interesting. I don't know about us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. What, uh, what car is that bumper from? That's a good question. Or I'm grill. Sure. I'm not sure. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this guy makes this super cool like car art, and I traded him a tattoo for that. That's me barrel racing in the picture. Oh, cool. <laughs> what? And yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he stole a picture of me riding off of my Facebook and turned it into this, and I'm like, I ain't asking questions. I'm just grateful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Oh, awesome. I just realized you're at your studio, Dave just now we've only been on here for 15 minutes yeah, yeah me, me and dave did a little pre-record and i had no i was just totally that's how much i pay attention to dave it's a true story oh, that's funny the first thought i had i was like man studio looks good <laughs> was my first yeah. thought. can you see can you see the little vacuum got a little robotic oh vacuum. yeah a little roomba yeah, we call it we call it Drake because it fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Stacy Ray, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having Let's, me. You know, I know we're gonna have a lot to cover with you. Jesus. You've been doing this a long time. Career changes, rodeo girl. So let's just start at the beginning of the tattooing stuff. Uh, how and when did you uh, actually get your foot into the door in tattooing? Well, I grew up in a party house, so we might as well just jump right into it. I'm uh, kind of uh, an open book, so I might say some things that might be shocking to some people, and that's just my life, like a lot of us tattooers. So I grew up in kind of a party house. (laughs) So uh, drinking or doing drugs was not going to be rebelling for me. In fact, I went straight edge, so... Um, so the only way that I could really see to rebel that would really get somebody's attention in those days was to get a tattoo, but I was too young to get a tattoo in a shop. So I went, this girl that I went to, this was in junior high. So this girl was like, Oh, my boyfriend's a tattoo artist. He said, he'll tattoo you come over on Friday night. And so my first tattoo (laughs) in a basement with a Walkman motor and guitar string. Sweet. I paid a pack of smokes for it. And the reason I remember that is because I had to walk over the Mohawk in the rain to get a pack of cigarettes. I was so bad. (laughs) What did you get? What did you pick for your first tattoo? Mm -hmm. 
a, a rosebud on my hip. It kind of looks like Classy. a tulip. Yeah, it looks like a tulip. Oh, yeah, I, the little, like, closed bud one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it's, the top goes like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's scratchy, super, like, uh, just one of those worst-case scenarios, you know. But I wanted a horse yeah. since I was uh, – since I could – well, before I could read or write, I wanted a horse. And so I started drawing horses. I actually could draw my name. I could draw my name fancy before I could read or write. So, um, you know, the fr front page of a book and the first letter would be like that fancy kind of letter, right? You guys remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, my dad had a lot of books and he read a lot. And before I could ever read or write, I was like, he was always in his books. So I thought maybe I could get some love by like doing what the books had. Right. So my mom would write out my name and I would copy the shape and make it look like it did in the book before I could ever read or write. <clears throat> so I started drawing wow. pretty young. So when I went and got this tattoo done in this guy's basement, I was looking through my friend that I went with. Oh, my God. We're like 13 and 14. She was like, uh, she got this like, oh, like a heart with like a dagger and a mom, <laughs> and a, like all the, like the whole thing, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I got to go first or I'll wimp out. And I still haven't tattooed anybody who was as wimpy as I was when I got my first tattoo. It's funny that people are shy around me. And um, I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, I was the worst, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, like, looking through the guy's drawings while she's getting this big freaking monstrosity done on her arm. And I was like, oh, I can draw better than this guy. I'm like, I'm a fucking kid, and I can draw better than this guy. I was like, I'm going to be a tattoo artist. I'm going to do good tattoos instead of this crap that we just got. <laughs> Perfect. That was it. I just started drawing Flash the next day. I started going around the shop. They're like, go home, kid. You're too young to be here. I'm like, I'm okay. He's fine. My mom won't tell me she's at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> was Amazing. this in Calgary? No, Campbell River. Campbell River, oh, BC. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I did not know that. 89, okay. this would have been. 89, yep. Wow. Oh, wow. All right. So when did you get your foot in the door of a shop? So I went straight to the shop right away. Like, I don't even think my tattoo was healed. I started drawing flash. I went into the shop that was there. Uh, I think it was called <laughs> Trent. Trent can probably correct me if I'm wrong because he was around these days. Um, Popeye's Island Oasis. Oh, sweet. That's a great yeah. name. I've never heard that name, but God damn, that's a we, good name. We got to bring some of those names back to tattooing. <laughs> I mean, that's a minute ago. Like, I could be wrong. Trent might remember, but those were crazy days for him, too. So, yeah, so I started going in with my flash, and I was just like, really? I think I was just maybe looking for him to just be like, give it up, kid, you know? <laughs> But instead, that freaking guy offered me an apprenticeship when I was 15. Wow. 15. Yeah. I don't know if it was a good idea for him to do that. And he was quite a bit older than me. Like, I don't think he was trying to get in my pants. Like, I was never a cute girl ever. I don't think it was anything like that. Like, he genuinely was like, well, you draw better than I can. So <laughs> <laughs> did, did you start doing all of his drawings? No, I don't think so. No, he was still a splash, dude. Yeah. 
This is before before um, Cherry Creek or before <laughs> before. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would have been national. Would have been the only place he could have got Flash in '89. Yeah, Spalding, like tattoo brand, early tattoo brand days. Yeah, yeah. Wild, wild, That's kind of crazy. So, how long were you there then, under uh, the mentorship of Popeye? <laughs> so, what happened was not too long after. So, I was like, I was getting ready to quit school, and I'm going to go be a tattoo artist. And I'm 15, and I got my life planned out, and I know what's up, and I'm like getting my neck tattooed almost and shit. Like, I was just, I was going for it, right? And uh, all my friends at school were like, graduate first, like graduate first. I'm like, nah, fuck this place. <laughs> <laughs> so in all of that, uh, Trent came to town. Trent um, Pere, who works for at Dutchman. Yeah. So he was my first mentor. So he came oh, to town. Really? He got a job there. Yep. So I went walking down uh, downtown after school one day with my little sketchbook. And uh, this guy was in there. And I was like, who's this? <laughs> take my apprenticeship away like what did I think I was 15 oh my gosh it's just oh my goodness well when you're a lifer you're a lifer right so (laughs) so, yeah so they just couldn't get rid of me you know one day they're just like kid go home and I'm like no I'm fine it's like I was too naive to understand that they didn't want me there (laughs) 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 keep in mind you know Like, kid, go home. No, it's okay. <laughs> like, get out of here. She won't leave. She's a fixture. <laughs> so one really busy day, Trent asked me to take the garbage out and do all this stuff. He's like, I need you to go get me some gloves, take the garbage out, do this, this, this. And he paid me $10. And that was it, dude. I'm like, I am making money now. <laughs> <laughs> So did you get the tattoo in that shop on the floor at like 16 years old, 15 years old? No. Or did they completely just kind of like hold you back? It's been so long. Oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. I did do a tattoo in there. That was not my apprenticeship. I was just a bit like Trent just took me under his wing and he was yeah. just serious about tattooing. And he was just really like, okay, I mean, you're trying, you got some promise and he would help me with drawing. And he really like, really inspired me to care about the generations before and the history and the culture of it and all that stuff. Thank God. He was, oh, he's just really inspiring guy. I don't know if you guys have talked to him very much, but he's just, I'm really inspired by that guy. So when it came time for me to actually get an apprenticeship, I went to art school. I graduated from high school. I did what my friend said. And then I was like, okay, well, there's no apprenticeship now so I guess I'll go to art school and kill time and still kind of get better at art until I can get an apprenticeship was all I cared about was an apprenticeship as soon as that gym guy told me like I'll train you that was it that was I didn't care about anything else so Trent was working with Rob Thomas in he went on tour he went and he went out and worked with uh, Mike Austin for a while and he was working with Rob Thomas he went around a lot of different places so And back then, Rob had just come back. He was working down in L.A. right before then. And he was working for, um, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I don't remember. Bob Roberts. Thank you. Yes. Yes, that's right. He was working at Spotlight. Right. So he came back and he was kind of a big deal and he had a really great foundation. And Trent was working there. He tattooed or he trained Clint and Clint was just getting ready to leave. So Trent's like, you got to meet this girl I know. And uh, so Trent's like, come out to Kelowna. So I got the midnight bus. 
<laughs> my little portfolio. And uh, he's like, sure, I'll take you on. Clint's done uh, on this day. So you can start anytime after that. It'll be this much money, cash up front. You got to buy this much money worth of equipment. And we're just going to get right into it because all that whole time, even when I was in art school, I was hanging around the local tattoo shop and drawing nonstop and watching tattoos. And so I'm like cleaning up and all the things, right? So really, I just needed to learn how to tattoo. So I, oh my God, guys, thank you for taking me for a walk down memory lane. I don't know why I wasn't prepared for this. I should have known that this was going to so That's okay. We don't prepare for this. No. My mom, I hope you can edit out whatever's boring here, but my mom no. owned my mom owned no, you don't edit. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My mom owned a hair salon with um these two ladies and they had a a nephew that was living in Kelowna. So my mom was telling one of her clients, oh, my kid's moving to Kelowna to go be a tattoo artist. So like, I thought it was a girl. Yeah, she's the girl. It was like no girls tattooing back then. And uh, her two coworkers were like, oh, we should see if Dean knows anybody who has room for it. And so Dean was like, she can come live with us. He was living with a buddy of his. So I moved in with Dean Robertson. 95. Was that with, was he living with, was he living with Kirk and those guys? No, they hung out a lot. They hung out a lot. So those guys were always over at the house, but I was always just like the weird kids sitting at the kitchen table drawing. I was just drawing. And, uh, but I mean, he knew Dustin and he brought Dustin over Dustin was like, you got a girl living with you who's training under Rob? What? And I didn't know that he was into any tattoo people at all. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. All I knew was I wanted to tattoo. And so Dustin came over one night and I was like, like I said, just the weird kids sitting at the table, drawing, drinking tea, just not talking to anybody. And uh, so I got to meet Dustin and I went into his shop when he first opened Fat Cat. It was, it was just a really interesting time in tattooing, wasn't it? How long were you there for? What years? 95, 96? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I was there for under a year. I wasn't there that long. Rob was like, okay, I'm not giving you a job. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a lot of days. It was just me in that stairwell all day freezing and drawing because Rob just didn't show (laughs) up. winter slow I'd be the only person like there was no customers coming in I don't blame him for not showing up but it's been a lot of days freezing in that stairwell I should have gone over and drawn with Dustin absolutely that's like sleeping with the enemy right (laughs) yeah Dustin's shop was the hangout there was always like a crew of people hanging out there oh man I would have been hanging out there back then oh man oh man <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I was just a weird kid in a book. I was just like, I'm just like weird around people. I was like, I'm just gonna stay to my book, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, where did you go from Kelowna? I went back to Camel River, and I opened a shop. Oh, crazy! Yep, yep super crazy. Because nobody would hire me. Nobody told me not to. It was definitely one of those things where I was like, well, I've been around shops long enough, and I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how naive I was clearly right and uh trent was off doing his thing and i was like i was like well i can't really get a job because i'm not really good enough at tattooing yet to get a job so what i did was i found a little teeny spot that was really really cheap like 300 bucks a month and i was like i'll just do cheap and free tattoos on my friend until i really start to figure on my friends until i start to figure this out i just didn't want a tattoo in a house 
So I opened a shop just so that it was like legal, health board approved, had my little, my little autoclave, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I just jumped right into it and anything that came my way that I knew. So that was one thing, a gift that Trent gave me was like, oh, stay within well, what you know. And so anything that I was like, Oh no, you want like a half sleeve? Like I can't do that yet. Go and see this guy. And I would just send people out to who I thought was a good artist for them. And I felt that that was the most responsible thing I could do. But I mean, looking back, hindsight is 2020, right? Yeah. Do that yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to yeah. pause here for a second. I, I don't think people, people open up shops now. When they first start tattooing, they leave their apprenticeship and open a shop right away. That's nothing new or weird. But back then, that was – that could have been a really bad move for somebody physically. Like that – you could have had people show up. They could have, you know, burned out your shop or ran you out of town. There's a whole bunch of things that could have happened. Like weren't a lot of women tattooing, certainly not owning shops in BC. And there was a lot of territorial shit going on back then still. Yeah. And thank you for saying that. It was like, I'm trying to tell people that are newer. I'm like, no, it was like an artist of town, man. It was like an artist of town back then. And I did have people show up and I feel like maybe being a girl worked in my, like, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been okay if I wasn't a girl, but they saw me as no threat at all <laughs> to what they were I was doing. Gonna say, they probably saw you as no threat. So it was just like, ah, whatever. Mm -hmm. Not like she'll ever be good. How could a girl ever be good at tattooing? Whoa. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> so how long did you have this space for? And what did you call it? Did you have a cool name? Yeah. The Skin Studio. I wanted to call it like the body shop because I also, when I was in high school, I worked in a auto, like I really like cars and I worked in a body shop and I thought that maybe if I wasn't a good enough um, artist to be a tattooer that I could paint cars for a living. So cool. I was like, oh, like I can't call it like the body shop, but like the skin shop. So I called it like the skin studio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's and so awesome. how long did you run that for? I was there until 98. The late 98, I went to Tucson. Yeah, because there wasn't really any women tattooing up there, like I said, and uh, I really wanted to be around that kind of, like, there was this Keely Tackett was uh, my spiritual kind of mentor in tattooing, and, uh, <clears throat> like, she's gone now, but I was like, I need to work with this woman. I don't know, I just needed to get there, so I... <laughs> did my little firebird and drove my ass to Tucson. You know how I applied for that job? I um, I uh, sent her a letter. I like wrote a letter and I was like, hey, I really like your stuff. I want to work with you. And then uh, so she sent me back a letter and she's like, oh, cool. It's nice. Send me some of your work. Maybe you can. And so I sent her and a picture of yourself. Right. And so I sent her some pictures and she wrote back another letter. OK, call Glenn on this day, her husband. She's like, call Glenn at this time on this day and then you guys can discuss it at this number. And so I called and I got the time zone mixed up and like somebody else had called and he was like, no, I'm just going to hire you. I'm not even going to take this guy's call. <laughs> so I packed up my little firebird. I handed the keys of my little studio over to this guy. Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. And I'm, I'm totally not going to hold back. Um, that was advertising tattoos on, um, but it's not Kajabi. What did they call it? Kajib. Kaj Kajiji? Yeah. Kaj 
Yeah. This guy's like, I'm doing tattoos. I'm like, oh, this guy needs a hero. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him my shot. And he he just needs a leg up in life. And I'm just, I've just gotten so many good blessings. I'm gonna pay it forward. <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> oh man, he's still talking shit about me. That guy. Shocky <laughs> <laughs> <Johnny> jerk. <laughs> oh, are you gonna drop the name or what? Hmm. Are you gonna drop the name? What's his name? name? His name. What's his name? Are you going to drop his name? <laughs> I don't even know if I remember. <laughs> Doogie. <laughs> we called him Doogie. Doogie MD. <laughs> Did he open a shop in Edmonton? <laughs> what? Did he open a shop in Edmonton? Is that Super Doogie's? <laughs> no, that was Dougie. Super Dougie. <laughs> Super Dougie? <laughs> Super Dougie, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, the so then. To, yeah. the record, my favorite shop at Edmonton is Super Dougie's. Yeah, it's gone, Dave. <laughs> oh, Sorry. It? No, it's too bad. Yeah. The best yeah. signage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Little standalone building. But uh, so Tucson, how long how did that go and how long were you there? Tucson was amazing. I spent a year down there. Uh the only reason I didn't stay longer was because I was a little bit paranoid about the work visa thing because I did not have a visa. So I was like, Ooh, I just, I'll call this one like a uh, study, like I'm studying abroad. And I just kind of started feeling like, yeah, it was just like, I just like to do things by the book if I can, you know? So I was like, Oh, I just don't think I can stay. It was amazing though. I went to my first tattoo convention, Philadelphia national show. Um, I, I'm like in the magazine. I like entered the tattoo that Keely did on me and it changed my whole life. You know, I got to hang out with like back then, like 99, I was hanging out with like Sean Anderson. Like I was hanging out with Paul Booth, freaking Gil Monty. He was a lot of fun back then, you know, like the people that a Canadian artist would only see in a magazine. Yeah. I got to go hang out with them. And now I have like 20 year friendships with these guys, you know, like it was just really cool to kind of, get out but i came back to canada i opened up a shop called the source in nanaimo on commercial ave eventually um when i moved out of that space um oh my god with the blanking because i'm going to say his name wrong i want to call him edward but that is not his name the guy who did albert? blue albert, albert? Thank you. yeah black and albert. blue yeah black and blue yeah so he took over that space and stayed in there for a little bit and then moved it to where it was i don't know if they're still there but no, Rob sold the building. Shut it Wait, down. Rob, that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Very smart. So, and, okay. Nanaimo. So, Nanaimo, you moved around a lot. Where we go to I, next? I know I moved around too much. Nanaimo was good. Um, I went back up to Campbell River. I moved that business to my hometown for a freaking boy and I'll never do that shit again, but I did. So, uh, that fell apart, you know, <laughs> as it does. And that's when, uh, but I had been still traveling a lot. Like the, one of those winters I went down and tattooed in, uh, like Tennessee for three months. And so I was still kind of just doing the do. And one day I went out to the Calgary stampede with my little barrel racing buddy. And I couldn't remember where I parked. 
because there's the big crowds and all the parking everywhere because you guys have been to that event, right? It's crazy downtown. And yeah. I was like, it was really hot and we're both redheads. And so we're super wimpy about it. And I was like, I never go to any tattoo shops, but we're going into that tattoo shop because I bet they have AC. And uh, so that's when I met Doug and Rich and all those guys. And they were like immediately like I had a lot of tattoos. Right. And that's still like 2000, 2000. This is a minute. It's a while back now. 2002 yeah. maybe. So I was pretty heavily tattooed for a girl that had a thing on my neck and whatever, and not very many girls. I mean, you know, you guys were around for that. So the, everybody stopped what they were doing and came out to meet me and talk to me. And they were like, a girl tattoo artist? That's rad. So um, they invited me. That sounds me just like Doug. <laughs> sounds like just like Rich. <laughs> a perfect impression of Doug. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they invited me out there. And so I went out for a guest spot. And when I went for a guest spot, I went home. I loved it. I loved Calgary. It was just a cool shop, a great crew, super talented and inspiring guys. And, um, you know, they loved what I was doing. So I went home and they called me like within like a week and they were like, come back out for come back out for a spot as thin as you can. We have something we want to talk to you about. And when I went out there, they asked me to be an owner. Cool. It just like, it just happened quick. Like I just had the energy that they were looking for at that time. And it was nice, you know, like it was just, it was yeah. really cool people in and out of there. Like it was just a good vibe. Bushido's still got that. Yeah, yeah. totally. So then it was, it would have back then that was you, Sean and Doug then were the owners. Sean and Doug opened the shop. Um, yeah. in between me meeting them and me going out to do a guest spot was when they had the big, um, wrecking ball, the wrecking yeah. ball experience. And so when I went out there, they're like, we're not at the same location. <laughs> like the building isn't yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just good. It was good. I stayed there for a while, um, until it wasn't a good fit anymore. And, um, yeah, I just move a lot. So then I went and worked what? with Heather for a couple months, Heather McLean. And uh, when Brett left Buddha to go and open Strange World, Heather, he invited Heather to go with him. And so Heather's like, I'm closing the shop. I'm like, I just got here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took that spot at Buddha. Oh, that's nice. how it all happened. All right. Yeah. Because when I first met you, I'm thinking it was maybe like 2006. You were in Van. I think you were doing a guest. Spot. Were you doing a guest spot with Andrea at Trigger Happy in Vancouver, or were you doing a guest spot at the Dutchman's? Okay, they, yeah, you're at the Dutchman's then. Yeah, and oh, I think Andrea was with us because I think we went and seen I think Primus or Les Claypool. Les Claypool, the Sail and Sea. Yeah, 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 yeah. For the Wales and Woe uh, tour. And then he came back with Primus just a couple months later. But yeah, it was like you, that's when I got to meet Jesse Young because I was working with Piot at the time and stuff. And yeah, it was a great weekend. That was super it fun. was a great time. Yeah, he tattooed me the next day. I was so tired. He did this like big like dagger through my neck thing here. Yeah, oh, that's right. I remember. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Very cool. So then. Yeah. Bouncing around, and then, yeah, Buddha. You ended up at Buddha, and you were there for yeah. quite a while. Five years, yep. I was yeah. there for five years, and I got carpal tunnel surgery. And I remember um, that. 
cancer started ripping through my family and then I got like this diagnosis and it was just like life was like you're ready for your rough patch or what? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, forcing you to slow down a little. Yeah. And then, you know, Paul, when I told him, he says, uh, (laughs) I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he's like, you know, I like to work my people like a rented mule. (laughs) Like I'm not a rented (laughs) mule no more. So I had to change my entire relationship to tattooing. After I had the carpal tunnel surgery, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to tattoo again. So I had to change everything. And it really sucked because I was like winning everything I entered. I was judging at shows. I was in every magazine that I was just like, it was like, I thought it was always going to be that good, you know, and that was my high point. Right. So, but, uh, anyways, ART was birthed out of that. So I was called into another direction and every option that I would have stayed attached to was taken from me. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into the ART stuff because that's, that's been a huge thing. We'll stick, we'll stay to the tattooing for a little bit. Who like, because you did travel around and move around a lot. Oh, see you later, Dave. <laughs> I was going to ask you anyway. Um, are you coming back, Dave? Oh, Dave's gone. I got to send him a new link. Oh, do you? Hi, Dave. All right, so we were we were just getting. I was just going to ask you that because uh, of all the moving around, working with people like, um, were you like, wh- like who were you guest spotting with? Who were you kind of like pulling your inspiration from? Um, were you guest spotting specifically just to like meet people, or were you specifically targeting like artists that you wanted to like learn from? Yeah, targeted for sure. For sure, yeah. I had ideas of like who I liked and what what I wanted to kind of. Um, when we look up to people, we see strengths in them that we want to embody. So I was like, what artist styles do I want to try to embody? And, you know, I went and worked with, uh, they, they offered me to stay at, at, um, Dutchman. Lagaya asked me to stay and I was like, Oh, I don't want to live in Vancouver, but I love it here. It's such a nice shop to work at. And I uh, went down and worked with Aaron Bell for a while. And, yeah, just people I love, you know, just try to spend yeah. more time with people you love. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. And then you were doing a lot of convention circuit stuff, too. Were you doing a lot of conventions with Paul when you were at Buddha? Me, um, I didn't go to any of the overseas ones with them. No. Uh, but we did all the nationals. Yep. Cool. Very Daddy cool. and I went out and did uh, the Montreal one, and I think we did another one together, maybe Vancouver or something. Anyway, yeah. Nice. You touched on it earlier. I want to hear more about this transition. You get carpal tunnel. You're going through a lot of stuff. You hit your high, like you said. But it wasn't – a lot of people would have a – I don't know. I would have a meltdown and try to figure out what the fuck to do. It's really interesting the direction you took after that. What did you do with ART? I- I don't think I was given a choice is the thing. I'm like, I have this little sticker I made. Like I didn't choose the nip life. The nip life chose me. <laughs> maybe, maybe explain to people what ART is first. So they understand because yeah. the casual viewer might not know. 
Yeah. ART is the, um, the art of areola restorative tattoo. And um, my mother died of cancer. We had a couple people in the family die of cancer. Then when my mom did, we did genetic testing. And right after she died, it, the testing came back that she had BRCA1, which gives you an 83% chance of getting breast cancer and a 66% chance of getting ovarian cancer. And so they're like, right away, they're like, a lot of young women your age will opt for a preventative mastectomy. So we want you to consider that. But we're going to send you to this genetic doctor, this genetic counselor, all this stuff, uh, crap, nobody wants to do. <clears throat> and uh, so all of that got me thinking, you know, when Paul said to me, um, I was remarking on his prolific career. And he's like, you got to find a niche. <laughs> That's what you got to do. You got to find yourself a niche. And so I started going through all this cancer stuff and went to diagnosis, all the, the shit no one wants to hear about. And um, I had a mass. So they're like, we think you should get a preventative mastectomy. And after watching my mom die, I was like, yeah, take them. Like, I'm not having kids, take them. And uh, then I saw, I was like, oh, well, then they must do areola tattooing because they take the nipple areola complex in most mastectomies. And uh, I was like, oh, this could be like a whole cute, cool new thing to kind of get into. And uh, maybe this will be a good direction for me. I did a workshop at the National Convention with uh, Vaveen Lazonga and Mary Jane Hawk. Uh, she was Mary Jane was uh, Britt Grimm's last apprentice. So anyways, they both do mastectomy tattooing. And I was like, that's what I want. I'm going to bring that to Canada. I'm going to bring that to Canada because then I felt like I could do something unique. It wasn't overly demanding on my time and I could do something where I was making like use my powers for good instead of evil, make a positive difference on people. And um, yeah, just kind of like have a relationship with the tattoo industry in a completely different way. And then I saw what was happening and I uh, went and took a training. A girl that I knew was like, I want you to do my nipples. I'm like, well, I'm not going to do it until I get trained. I don't know. I don't want to make a mistake, you know? And I'm like, but I do know how to tattoo scar tissue because I did my first scar cover up in 98. And um, <clears throat> so I was like, I'll go do a training and then I'll do your areolas. And uh, yeah, it just kind of sparked a whole new direction. What I saw when I went to the training was um, people were in the training. I think Jeremy was there too. People were in the training who'd never held a tattoo machine before. And they didn't hold a tattoo machine in the training. They what? watched. That's bizarre. They watched one. Mm -hmm, yeah. It's criminal is what it is. Um, they watched one tattoo be done on a screen and they, um, I don't even think they, they didn't even practice on practice pads. It was nothing. It was a lecture. It was a full day lecture and watching one. And the lady had had a couple case studies and uh, <clears throat> it was like, you know what they did? A circle template and outline, outline it with a machine was how she did it. And just rip it in with an eight round shader and destroy the skin. So she has these case studies she's showing us. And I was just like, I jumped up and one came up and she was like, Oh, don't and the color still won't hold. And I was like, I get running up there. And I'm like, well, here, here, here is overwork. This is necrosis. This is this, blah, 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 blah. This is transparency. You're going to like, and I stopped myself when I caught myself what was happening. Because remember, I said I was an awkward kid, right? I was like, whoops. Oh, everybody's taking notes. I'm like, shit, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit down again. And then at lunchtime, everyone was like asking me a million questions. And I was like, oh my God. 
Krishna, not no more than the teacher. But, you know, I was working at Smiling Buddha and I'd been tattooing for 15 years and I'd been tattooing scars for over 10. And I knew what I saw, but yeah. she didn't see it. No. For what we have now. So I decided I did it for five years. I did areola tattooing for five years. I wrote a book on it. And I was like, this is why realism is important coming from somebody who's lost their breasts and knows what it's like to have botched nipple tattoos. I'm like, this is what you guys need to know. If you want to do this work, this is what you need to know. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it just kind of bloomed. I taught my first class in 2014. So I've been teaching areolas now for 10 years. I only teach people who have um, at least three years tattoo experience. And now that I've been doing this for so long, about 65% of my students are like cosmetic tattooists and maybe 35% yeah. are like body artists. And uh, so what I'm finding in each class that I teach, cause I just teach, I just taught last weekend to people. I'm just like showing them how I do what I do and teaching them how to use the needles I made with tassel and stuff. And, and uh, you know, just trying to help them like, make lives better instead of worse. We did this survey and found that 81% of um, women were less happy with their bodies after they got tattooed. So there's like wow. a real problem. Divorces yeah. are happening. Husbands are straying. If And it's not the husband's fault or the wife's fault. It's like, if you expect that, that connection with your lover, and your lover is afraid to share her body with you because of shame. Yeah. Well, then the house has to be sold. And then the family, the kids will often pick sides. So the effect on the quality of life here is like astounding. And yeah. um, it just floors me. So I, I was like, okay, then I, there's my niche. I got to do something about it. Yeah. And I didn't want to. I'm like a reluctant, a reluctant hero here. I got so many haters. Oh, my God. I got so many haters. I'm like, but somebody had to come in and be like, you guys, you're harming people. And yeah. nobody else would do it. So I put that asshole hat on and went in swinging. And <laughs> nice. I had, a, I had a woman come in in the mid-90s in Vancouver when I was at Sacred Heart. A woman came in and she had uh, mastectomy and she had uh, her areolas tattooed. And she came to ask if there was anything I could do with them. And I was like, okay, sure. And I looked at him. I was just like, what the fuck? Who did those? She's like the surgeon. And I was like, what? Like he just took the like a like a color pink and just fucking like. There you go. I was just like, oh. But I, I was like the mid nineties. I was like, I don't, I don't want to make you hate it more. I don't know what I would do with that. So I could totally understand. Like, wow. like a lot of the people that were doing it, they weren't trained in any way whatsoever to do any of this stuff, you know? Cool. So, and then I can see it like for sure. A lot of tattooers in the, in the early on was like, ah, that's not tattooing. So you're going to get those haters and whatever else, or, Oh, that's predatory or whatever. But it's like, yeah, there's, yeah, it's a niche, but it's like, it was such a, a necessary niche. Cause like I said, I've <laughs> seen this stuff. I've yeah. seen breast implant scars. I've seen other stuff just being a, a male tattooer and just being like, like, yeah, I like having a woman explain that to a guy tattooer. I'm like, yeah, I couldn't imagine what you're living with. And oh, unfortunately, my, I have no way to help you. I my think haters that, are tattooists that I have trained who I've pointed out. This is what you need to work on. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. I don't yeah. like my tone. She mean. She's a bitch. 
fuck him. I'm like, I'm trying to help you be good here. Yeah. <laughs> like that. No one talks to me like that. I'm like, I mean that. No, go practice. Hate me if you need to. But please <laughs> practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're as tattooers, we're dealing with people, and we want to make sure that we give them the best we can. But what you're doing is like, like next, I yeah, this term, but next level. You know, well, it's people, paramedical tattooing. It's it's paramedical tattooing, and it's a, it's yeah, it's something that that is necessary for many people to be able to look at themselves, right? Like it's, it's not just like next level tattooing, like you were going to say, I just think it's like mentally. I know. Is I was that what you're going to say? Next level tattooing? I was getting that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So the trauma aspect of it, I wrote a book on this. I just wrote a new book on this last year and, uh, and like, I never wanted to write books or anything. And like, I'm not that great at it, but I'm like, these things need to be heard. You know, like these are just things that need to be said. And so I did a lot of research into uh, trauma and where we store it in our body. And so I started, um, well, I started teaching about what I knew about it, um, being somebody who's been scarred and covered up scars with tattoos. And um, did you guys know, how much do you know about fashion? Very little. Yeah. But I've had an interesting experience with it, so I want to hear what you have to say. So fascia, for those of you who don't know, is the connective tissue that holds, like, our skin to our muscles and our muscles to our bones. It goes through our whole body. It holds our organs together. And if you've ever skinned a chicken, that white webbing, that's fascia. So fascia has these little tubes and channels that – it's like the mycelium network in a forest. It like I feel like it's like the information superhighway. So like a plasma of white blood cells move through the fascia in the body. And then when you have the clear, when you're tattooing and you have that little bit of clear emission, that's like it came through the fascia system. It didn't come through the blood system. It came through the fascia mm-hmm. system, right? So if you tattoo somebody near a trauma site that they have stuck energy that most of us are unaware of this stuff. Um, stretching the skin can activate their trauma. Wow. Yeah. Wild. So that's hmm. the shit I'm geeking out on these days. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a experience years ago when Adam Sky was tattooing me before I was a tattooer. Uh, I'd been getting tattooed by him a lot. Sitting for him was no problem. Uh, I could sit for hours. And I came in, and it was about 20 minutes into the tattoo. And I got up. I said, I can't sit anymore. I don't know what's going on. I felt really fucking weird, like emotional. Left the shop. And all this stuff flooded my brain about my brother passing away. And it was I was, like, overwhelmed. I was like, what the fuck's going on? And I thought about that for a long time. And how it had to have been connected to that thing. Cause there was nothing else in the shop triggering me whatsoever. It was like some stuff that I hadn't thought about in a long time. It was just a whole bunch of things. And I've heard other people talk about this exact same thing about trauma in the fascia. And I think it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I haven't yeah. ever had that happen tattooing, but if you've ever worked with uh, anybody that does fascia work, like in physiotherapy and all that stuff, I've definitely had stuff like that happen where it's just like okay what's about to happen here (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to cry i don't want to cry right now (laughs) it's like this isn't really painful but for some reason i'm i'm about to like release some energy here i don't know what's going on yeah yeah it's just like yeah Yeah. it's wild yeah and it's crazy because it's um 
I don't think a lot of people realize like how much just like a, your fascia can just tighten your whole body. Mm. Like it's, you know, when I go, you go get deep tissue massage and stuff. A lot of the times, like if you get fascia work done, it'll release all your muscles. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it's wild. So yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's my knowledge of fascia. That's it. So rolfing, right? Rolfing will like, uh, and you guys know about rolfing. Yeah, um, I've done. So for anybody who hasn't heard that, R-O-L-F, this is fascinating. They do like a 10 or 12 series. There's a way that they do it. They work you once a week and release this, which opens up this part. And they can release, you can get like an inch taller, dude. So anyways, then when we tattoo, we're tattooing in this like roach kind of position and we're holding ourselves stable there. So we're tightening all these muscles and we're like, um, I didn't know that it could affect your, um, like obviously it can affect your lungs and your breathing a little bit, but actually affects your heart and your organs. Crazy. The role thing corrects that. So if we can think about like, if it can have that big of an impact, just your own posture, on your overall health then and your emotions yeah i'm super fascinated by this stuff i love it cool so you're in dallas now yeah how long have you been in dallas just a few months uh i'm working with liz cook okay so we uh started doing some so i did uh, a set of pigments with uh she Okay, so there's Eternal Pigments. We all know who Eternal Ink is, right? And then Eternal, their little sister company that was started by Liz and Sean was Ever After Pigments. And so Ever After, after we did, um, I did a set of needles with Tatsoul. So I did a signature series of needles for scar tissue specifically with Tatsoul. And then that led me into working with all these other guys. And um, so they asked me if I wanted to do an Pig, an areola pigment set. I'm like, with Eternal? Are you kidding? Of course I do. It was like my favorite of all the pigments I've ever used. Those were my favorites, right? So working on that pigment set with Liz, we got pretty close. And uh, so we got another little project going that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. But she was like, we we're like talking every day kind of thing. And she was like, dude, I just, I just got to get you out of Dallas. Let's do it. Let's just do it. So I was like, I got one move left in me. If I don't go to Texas, I'm going back to Canada. Like, I'm like, I got two years left on my work visa. So I'm willing to stay in the States, but I'm like, <laughs> otherwise I'm just throwing in the towel and going back to Canada. Cause it's COVID made it really tough for me down here. So where, okay. So where were you before Dallas? Yeah. When did, um, like, when did you leave Canada? Let's get yeah, I haven't talked to you in so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> um, I, uh, I left Canada in uh, December on solstice of 2018. And I went back to the shop I worked at in Tucson because even though Keely died, her sons were running it. And I just okay. thought that that would be so cool to go back there and work there. And uh, it's pretty, Tucson's changed in the last 20 years. <laughs> it's pretty <Yeah>. like, <laughs> the amount of like the tweaker to like, not stolen goods ratios changed a lot. Like there's a lot of crime there, border town, you know, like, and uh, yeah, got down there and there was like a lot of crime and not a lot of money. And I was just like, kind of like this, the nineties, you guys, like all I could think of was how lucky we were to tattoo in the nineties. Yeah. Is that not the best? We didn't even <laughs> yeah. know how to do it. Yeah. No, absolutely. 
So then I was like, man, I really feel in Tucson. I don't know what to do. Should I just go back to Canada? I went back to Canada. And uh, then this other opportunity came up in LA, um, like in Orange County. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. I like Orange County. I'll go out there. So I packed up my horse and drove out. I took a horse, of course. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) And so I packed up my horse and I went out to L.A. and I found a little spot to keep her at this town called uh, Norco, North Corona. And it's Horsetown, USA. And instead of sidewalks, it has riding trails. And on Tuesdays, we rode, me and my friends rode over to the Saddle Sore Saloon for Taco Tuesdays and Margaritas. (laughs) that first job job was not meant to be so i was like well fuck it i'm gonna go see the guys at tattoo land and see what they're doing i'm like oh good they remember me awesome and uh so these two guys came in i was talking to roy and these two like kids came in barely old enough to get tattooed and they both wanted to get this little like hundred dollar bill thing like on the side of their arm like right here i think like right weird weird spot technical tattoo and uh so roy's like you want to do these tattoos with me and i was like i don't have any gear man i didn't bring my tattoo stuff i just came to say hi and he was like oh you can use jack stuff and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna do a tattoo a tattoo line with jack rudy's stuff but i'm not gonna say no to that and after the tattoos were done oh my god i was so nervous and like shaky oh my god and tat- jack's machine was like really heavy and i wasn't expecting to have I was like, yeah, I'll just do this tattoo. Nope. But it was like, everything was working against me. And uh, anyways, I was like, oh, that doesn't look that good. Oh man, I wish I had done a better job. I'm usually really clean with my lines that, you know, and beat myself up. And uh, so the kid comes out, the other guy comes out of Roy's room. He's finished before, before me. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's like the exact same amount shaky. Awesome. <laughs> it's a tough spot to tattoo, right? And this yeah, is yeah. like exactly the same line quality as mine. I'm like, fuck, awesome, thank God. Man, and make these guys hate me and make I hate myself forever. So Roy comes out and he's like, Oh yeah, it looks good. I'm like, well, as good as it can, I guess, like both of them. So the kids left. Roy's like, Good job, you want a job? I was like, Yes, I do. So I went and worked at Tattoo Land, and that was how I got the job. <laughs> Amazing. Sweet. <laughs> I, worked, I was there for two years. COVID hit. COVID hit. And being a non-citizen on a work visa, I knew that I was risking being like banned from the U.S. forever. So I didn't want to mess with it. And uh, they closed the borders, you know, and uh, I was afraid to. I knew that there was too much hype. I knew that it was being exploded into something it wasn't. I knew that it wasn't as dangerous as the news was trying to tell us. But I wasn't willing to take any risks on behalf of breast cancer survivors. So I was like, yeah, I just went all into ART. Nice. Nice. And then, so then LA to Dallas or LA to? There was a year in Vegas in between there, but it wasn't. It didn't substantiate anything. I hardly tattooed at all while I was there. It was, uh, yeah. Vegas is like, uh, I had a girlfriend that lived there. So she's like, come hang out in Vegas for a bit. And when I got there, it was like, oh, it's this, like people live here. This is cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll stay. And I was like, <laughs> Liz came out, Liz came out and spent a weekend with me. And I was like, I can't believe I'm still here. She's like, me neither. Come to Dallas. <laughs> Let's get you out of here. <laughs> 
regular tattooers move around. Like a lot of tattooers move around a lot, and most of us regular tattooers just drag books. You're dragging a horse. Jesus Christ. Well, the horse can carry the books. (laughs) (laughs) How long have you had this horse for? I don't have the horse anymore. No? I pretty much know. I fire sale during COVID. I wasn't really making any money, so I just kind of did a fire sale. I sold everything and went all into ART. I was okay. like, this business, I can't, uh, I can't, um, I can't be at the helm of something great with this business. I have to go all in. If I go back to Canada, I'll be folding on ART, and ART really was designed to change, like, to solve these problems that I had talked about earlier, the ones that you saw in that lady, because those problems yeah. haven't gone away; they're actually getting worse. Really? Have, and survivors don't well, know medical actually, professionals yeah. do not do tattoo training. Yeah. I got botched nipple tattoos by a PMU trainer. And um, yeah, one thing that I learned was uh, how little people knew about scar tissue. So I'm like, if I'm the only one out here really championing for championing for, um, for like our value system to make its way into this realm, like if the yeah. world needed somebody, like I said, I didn't choose the nip life. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody had to come in and say, like, this is no longer acceptable from survivors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, if I had awaited and got cancer from that mass, like if I had to, had to go through all that, I don't think that I would have been able to use my voice in this way. So I folded everything. I put everything that I had into ART. And uh, here we are. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Here That's you fantastic. are doing awesome things. You've had a long, awesome career. Uh, I just because Dave just jumped us right into the ART. I wanted to go from tattooing into like some horse stuff first because you did barrel racing and stuff. How long were you? Are like when did you start? Yeah, when did you start your rodeo girl life? Um, uh, this is going to take a minute to tell this story. That's so okay. When, I got a couple uh, minutes. I remember some people have memories from infancy. Do you guys remember anything from when you were like? A I baby? do. Yeah. You, yeah. Unfortunately. Too, yeah. I'm like, maybe it's like artistic people do. Cause I always assume that tattoo artists do too. But I remember the first time I saw a horse out in the field and I was like, I was like six months old in the backseat of the car. Like, Whoa, what's that thing? It's so pretty. Like, and I was like obsessed. And then I have another memory of walking into the living room in the middle of the night to ask for like a cup of water or something. And my dad was like sitting on the couch, smoking a joint and like watching an old duster. And I was like, you can ride them. I just like, eyes <laughs> like, oh my God, you can ride them. Done. This kid is done. And, um, so I started drawing horses obsessively, obsessively. I would fill whole pages. My mom would have to go and get like a book, like line paper, like, uh, like every week I was like 200 pages. I would fill one whole side and flip it and fill the other side and just throw it. And I was just like obsessively trying to figure out how to draw horses so I could communicate, buy me a horse, buy me a pony. Can you buy me a pony? Can I have a pony? Can I have a pony? Can we have a pony? And, uh, I was like in a party house, right? So there was other party houses. And so I remember going over to my mom's friends and I would sneak in horse drawings and put them on their fridges. <laughs> and I'm like, someone's going to figure it out and buy me a pony, right? And my mom's yeah. like, stay still. Like, we don't have money. And I didn't understand that. I was like four. So of course I didn't get it. And she's like, you need money to do that. And I'm like, well, how do you get that? Well, you need a job. Well, how do you get that? You go and apply for a job. And, uh, so 
I was like, I didn't know what that was, but she didn't realize how tenacious I was. And uh, so she put on Laverne and Shirley. And she was like, there, they're working girls. You got to be one of them to get a horse. And so I was like, okay, how do I do that? And I was allowed to walk around my town anywhere I wanted to go as long as I had my dog with me. So I uh, dressed up in my finest working girl outfit or whatever I thought when I was five years old. And I got whatever around the house looked the most like a suitcase or like a briefcase. And I grabbed the dog and we went downtown. And the first place I stopped was the five and diner. Oh, I went in and the dog sitting outside waiting for me and the girls that the ladies are like, how can we help you little girl? And I was like, can I have a job? They're like, sure, you can have a job. I'm like, okay, thank you. And I left and went home. I got a job now. I didn't, I stood there for a minute awkward. Like you don't give me anything. Okay. Thank you. And I left. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I got a job. Now I can have a horse. I got a job. Now I can have a horse. And my mom's like, when do you start work? And I'm like, look, I got a job. Okay. Like I have done enough. I don't know what you're bringing new words into this crap. for. <laughs> So my grandma saw this and she uh, started uh, a little savings account for me. I'm a Christmas baby. So I'd get money at my birthday and Christmas. I was born at Christmas time. And uh, so she's like, I'm going to teach you how to open a bank account. And we went down and write in the ledger and how much do you have in your hand and make sure that it's the same amount. And the girl puts all of it in there. How much do you have now? And by the time I was 10, I had enough money to buy a horse. My mom said, buy your own. Right. When I first asked her, she was like, buy your own. I'm like, how do you do that? You get money, right? Buy your own. So here I'm nine years old and I got $1,000. And I can buy a horse for 1000 bucks. So I bought a $500 horse that put me in the hospital. <laughs> but I bought a $500 horse and um, a $400 mountain bike to ride out to the barn on. Wow. <laughs> and did you just like do work at the barn as a kid to like allow them to keep your horse there no my mom uh, my grandma was like <laughs> my grandma was like uh well she's been saving since she was four debbie like you got to get your shit together right and uh my mom's like all of a sudden she's marrying this guy and uh she's like you promised that kid that she could have a horse she's been saving this whole time you better have a talk with this guy and let him know what's happening because you guys are getting a horse i'm not letting you out of this and i'm not paying for it so my mom goes to steve you know like well you know i said this to her and i didn't know she was saving all this money and i the, the kids got grit i guess and um so like okay she buys herself a horse we'll pay for the board then they nice. ran into my dad, who I never, ever, ever saw. I only saw my dad a few times while I was growing up. They ran into him at the bar and told him this. And he was like, wait, you mean to tell me that that kid saved enough money to buy a horse? They're like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and you guys are going to pay for the for the barn and the stall and the food? They're like, yeah, we have to. He's like, well, shit, I'll buy a saddle then. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so my life hasn't actually changed i'm in between i'm in between horses right now i was gonna say you've owned a horse since you were a kid i don't think you're gonna go much longer without one yeah, no i just probably. signed a lease agreement this morning i actually found one pretty close to the house here that i'm gonna at least lease so i can go ride again i'm in texas yeah. like, i didn't move here for nothing i moved here because of horses so um yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, my life hasn't changed. I'm still just drawing and 
horse obsessed, 100% the same as I was when I was four years old. When did you start barrel racing and doing like rodeo stuff? Like in your teenage years? Calgary. I did a little bit of that. Like I was an English rider. I was like a hunter jumper kid. And uh, okay. so I would do the Gymkhana events. Those are all speed events. They're called Gymkhana. And so I would do Gymkhana events in my little English jumper saddle, just like for fun, but not for fastness. So then I moved out to Calgary and uh, I was like, well, when in Rome and uh, it was so good. It was so good. It was awesome. Cool. Very you know, cool. Race- 15 years and I would be doing if COVID didn't hit nothing would have changed but COVID changed COVID forced me to make a decision yeah made, yeah made a lot of us make decisions yeah, that's totally. for sure yeah yeah so cool well you have a top secret thing you can't tell us about yet what else do you have coming up oh no is he gone again yeah we'll keep going okay <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, one of the things I started to say is, uh, so the first thing that I did, oh, you're going to like this. The first thing that I did with the nipple stuff before I even went and took my training was I was like, well, I got to practice. I'm going to learn how to tattoo nipples. I better know how to draw them, right? Trent told me yeah. said, you can't draw it. Or you can't tattoo it if you can't draw it. So I made a flash sheet. That's what I forgot to bring out here. I made a flash sheet of nipples. And at the National Tattoo Convention, you can enter your flash. I have a flash contest every year. I've entered it a yep. few times. I never won it, but I entered my nipple flash in there. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I when I wrote that first book, I had all of these drawings in it, and I had to make them digital for the book. Back in, I mean, that was like ten years ago. Like we weren't doing digital art ten years ago, really. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I have them digital, so I made temporary tattoos. Called Perfect. Nipple <laughs> <laughs> Missing something? Here's your nipple back. <laughs> <laughs> so i got the flash sheet the line drawings the temporary tattoos these are all redesigned now in this in this pigment set that i made with ever after but the biggest thing was um people not knowing how to tattoo scar tissue yeah. and uh, i'll actually share one more story and then i'm out of stories for you but uh um <clears throat> What got me into tattooing scar tissue uh, was a this friend of mine from high school got in a car accident and lost his arm. And it was severed like here-ish was where he lost it. And so part of his ICBC payout was the $2,000 in tattooing that he said he had on that arm. Oh, wow. And- and the only way the ICBC would pay him out was they're like, they, they're like, they're like, you're into too much weird shit, right? Too many drugs or whatever. You party too much. We don't trust you anyway. They're like, if you go, you go to the tattoo shop and you get an invoice for the tattoo and we'll write a check to the tattoo shop. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I started tattooing, like talk to him about tattooing, like the stump and stuff. And yeah, I did a little bit of self-harm. I um, self-harmed when I was a teenager <clears throat> a little bit. And so uh, the first thing I did was cover up one of my own self-harm scars on my leg. So I had a lot of years of – and then people started just sending me people for scar tissue because, like, you didn't want to touch that client, that lady, because you were yeah. afraid you were going to do something wrong. And uh, that's, like, a healthy respect for the power that you have with the tattoo machine in your hand. Yeah. And I think what we have out here is a lot of people don't respect how – how much you can actually cause damage or how difficult it actually is. So I learned all my lessons the hard way. Some some people (laughs) honestly just believe they're fucking amazing. 
like some of these people are doing this stuff and they really think they're fucking awesome. <laughs> it's very weird. I'm like, I don't think we're looking at the same thing, but okay. Sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, anyways, I was coming back from, I did some trainings over in England and I was flying back home from there and it was really lighting me up how, little people actually knew about scar. They think a scar is a scar. Like they're just like, Oh yeah, it's a scar. And some, the people that do medical tattooing have a freaking scar button on the, they have a, this big uh, power unit thing. And there's a button that you press for tattooing scars. There's a scars button. So this is a setting that you need to tattoo scars. And they honestly believe that's all they need. Now they get to go. I'm like, what's the setting? What's the scar? What are they, what are they saying? What's your depth? Like what's going on? So we, um, my apprentice at the time turned protege. Um, we made scarred practice skins. Oh, wild. Yeah. So we put on, there's like keloid hypertrophic. We've got stretch marks up here. There's a necrosis and burn scars on here and some atrophic scarring, like razor burn and stuff. So there's like, more other kinds of like the bumped out acne scars. So we just put every type of scar on this sheet where I can teach people how to do that. Cool. We made forearm ones, self-harm scars that see how it's white and discolored. Yeah. I'm going to be doing a giveaway pretty soon. I'm going to give away a couple of these and uh, I'm doing a course on how to design. So my business partner said, awesome. What, um, what, uh, what skin tone do you want them? I'm like, what do you mean? What skin tone do I want them? I want all the skin tones because there was no practice skins that were in other skin tones. They were all whiter Caucasian. So we came out with the first ones in all skin tones, every ethnicity represented. And, uh, so we fired a patent on that, spent a lot of patents are expensive Yes, so, yeah. so when I say we went, I went all into ART, this is the kind of investment that I'm talking about that I was like, well, horse or business, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So we made, uh, this is like a two-tone, one of our vitiligo ones. All right. Have, uh, sometimes like this is a little nipple and see it's white at the edge because sometimes yeah. the nipples, um, like nipple necrosis will take out all the color. Yeah, so we have the nipple backs, the skins. I wrote some books. I do some training. I made some pigments. I made some needles. And um, I always thought that if I could just do good, solid tattoos, that I will have had an ideal career. All I want to do is decent tattoos. If I can figure out how to tattoo well enough that my work is consistently decent, mission accomplished. I did not see any of this stuff coming. I had no designs on this and I wouldn't recommend it. 10 out of 10 would not recommend um, paving the way for a bunch of assholes. (laughs) That's how all the old grumpy guys before me feel about me coming along and tattooing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So where can everybody find uh, all this information and where can they find those skins and where can they find your books if they are inclined? Yeah, all my stuff I have, well, I run five websites, um, but uh, you can get channeled out to all those areas if you just go to stacyray.com, S-T-A-C-I-E hyphen R-A-E.com. Awesome. That's amazing. And then the last and most important question, 
One sec, Dave's texting me. Oh yeah, he's he thinks he's still in the room. He's not in the room. Um, last and most most important question of all: Who's your top five tattooers? <gasps> Ooh, ooh, that's a tough one to answer. Oh my god. Okay, well, let me start with areola tattooers because I do know how to answer that one. And there's some like amazing people doing areolas now. Realism is abundant. Everywhere you look, people are getting really great. Lexi Ray in Calgary, she's one. She's doing really nice areolas. Uh, one of the girls that I've mentored, Nicole Rizzuto in New York, is doing amazing stuff. Um, yeah, there's some people doing some awesome. Shaughnessy out in Langley. Now she has a place in LA too. And I trained her. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, Studio Shishiko. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, her work is super nice. But she used to work at uh, – she was uh, Clint's counter girl for a while, I think. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. And she went to Emily Carr. Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So she's wow. – like, she's, yeah, she didn't come – she didn't accidentally get good at tattooing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like the uh, – she's like the, the – brow. well, she was like the brow queen originally. Yeah, so that's cool. She's doing all that stuff now too. Yeah. And then for tattooing for Canadian artists, I got to still go with the same old, like, oh my God, Steve Moore, James Dex, Rich Hanford, you know, like, all those, like there's just so <laughs> many, Heather, I'll always be a huge fan of Heather's, like, there's just so much talent in Canada. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stacey Ray. Sorry that we lost Dave. He barely contributes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But it was so great having you on and so great to be able to get filled in on all the amazing things that you're doing and that uh, you're bringing to the tattoo world and, you know, righting some wrongs and, yeah, paving the way for some people that maybe don't deserve it. But, you know, lots of people, lots of people will and lots of people will make you proud for sure. So it was so great to see you. Thank you, Sean. It was um, so, uh, so glad that you invited me on. It was so nice to see you in Calgary for a minute at the premiere. Yes. Paul's movie—they did such a good job on that movie. Yeah. So yeah, two hundred hours. Everybody will be able to see that soon, I'm sure. Yeah, but yeah, go find it on uh, Instagram. Two hundred hours uh, on Instagram. It's Paul Jeffries documentary. Yeah, we'll have to get him on here sometime. Yeah, and also um, thank you for um, your contributions to the evolution of Canadian tattooing. Even this oh, podcast geez. is a huge contribution. It's like a nice oh, little club gathering place yeah it's been super fun i've been really enjoying it you know me and dave get to shit talk each other so <laughs> i i can't complain it's awesome awesome so great to see you it was great getting to know curly and this amazing guy that tattooed with one arm you know the customer had to stretch his own skin so I did get blood poisoning from him twice. Twice? Yeah. Twice? <laughs> Ed Hardy brought this whole uh, Japanese influence into American tattooing. Once Dave Shore came onto the scene, it was like tattooing completely changed. If anybody could say anything about greaseball Japanese, it's fucking Dave Shore. Salty, piratey, bikery, just hard knocks dude. 
man, he'd pull in on his chopper with the tattoos and the girls. And I mean, he was just like so cool, man. He captured vulgarity and pleasure and insanity and recklessness. Tattoo in the 80s or 70s, just not the same. Uh, yeah, you had to be a tough guy. I was scared shitless. Even though I was, a, you know, kind of a biker guy, these were bigger biker guys, you know? I'm not totally sure you could paint the picture accurately to somebody now getting into tattooing about what it was like then. And the only reason I, f I would say or I feel that way, though, is because they might not believe you. We had the limo waiting for him with all the lines of blow lined up at the airport. This is the way we do it in Canada. <laughs> in the like 80s, 90s, Paul, Paul Jeffries was like the king of tattooing. It wasn't just in Canada. Like, am I supposed to stop tattooing? Because if this is what I'm supposed to aspire to, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Each one of these old masters influenced groups of tattooers who in turn influenced other groups of tattooers. True North Strong Tattoo Book. This is a massive tattoo encyclopedia of Canadian tattooers. 350 pages. It's an 11 by 17 coffee table format. Sean and Dan worked tirelessly to get this thing out. And sadly, it never made it to print, so it's available for free download at theholdfastsocialclub.com and championtattoo.ca.